Hey everyone, in this AB Talks with Oswald Boating, we get to know the man behind the fashion, behind the designs, the story, the childhood. I think you're going to get to know him on a much deeper level, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Uh, hey Oswald, how are you really doing? How am I really doing? Um, I'm enjoying Dubai, actually. Uh, I had a party yesterday, it was fun. And it's the first time I've been in Dubai for... I think 10, 11 years. And what a transformation, huh? Mm. I mean, it's like, uh, I'm quite surprised. And you've got to remember, I haven't had a chance to properly see the city, right? I've quite usually gone to hotel, you know, airport hotel, you know, more Emirates here, probably four or five sites, but just the energy of the city mm. and, uh, and the people already. I'm like, wow, so much has changed. Very. It's yeah. a very fast city. Yeah, absolutely. But what so, about you? How are you at this stage or at this moment? At this moment, uh, excited. You know, life. I did a big fashion show in, in London at the Savoy Hotel, which was a, quite a profound show for me because hmm. it was kind of like a reintroduction of my, my brand in a way. Uh, also, COVID. It was two years being at home with COVID in London, you know, dealing with all that, having a lot of time to myself to think, probably address sort of things, maybe desires and, you know, researching the truth of oneself. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I'm feeling very much excited about the future okay. and, and the potential of it. And like, uh, uh, I think COVID made us all value reevaluate our lives, right? And what we're doing. And one of the things that really drives me is to create. Hmm. I'm a, you know, I love creating. And that's clothing, film. I mean, I love the whole, you know, uh, the whole process of creating. So that's basically what I'm going to do. My, from now to the very immediate future and beyond, I'm just going to create. So that's, uh, that's what I'm feeling right now. Okay, and if you had, uh, if I give you a white canvas, mm. plain, and I tell you to draw your mental state, what would you draw? Ooh, that's interesting. What would I draw my, as my mental state? Mm. Interesting. I think I've always been fascinated with the stars in the universe, so probably it would be a solar system. Mm. That would be my mind. That would be my state of mind. Very nice. Mm. And uh, Oswald, if I rewind, mm. how was your childhood? Mm. Childhood was actually, I mean, I have different pockets of memories of childhood, but I'd say my childhood was fun. I remember playing a lot with kids on the street and we need to play all these games like had hit and climb buildings or walls and you know, challenge each other's to push ourselves to the limit. So there was a lot of happiness in the childhood in that respect. Mm. And then obviously there was aspects of, you know, uh, I was brought up in North London. You know, we were probably, as a black family, probably the only black family in the area. So it was, it was a time in the 70s where racism was pretty strong. So I experienced racism. Mm. Mm. How did Oswald experience racism in your life in that stage, like you mentioned? What, as a kid or all the way through? You can tell me I mean, as, as a whole, I experienced it, you know, actually, it's quite interesting. I was asking myself not too long ago, let's say five, six years ago, I experienced something where I thought, are you kidding? I'm still experiencing this now? Hmm. You know, uh, you know, I've been given a lot of honors and accolades and, you know, I was thinking, you know, what do I have to do for that dynamic to shift, you know? And so I think the answer is, is you can no longer worry about it shifting. You just got to live. I think that's the answer to that. Mm. But I've, from a creative point, because of what I experienced as a kid, you know, uh, my creative has always been about changing perceptions. Because mm. the perception of what it was to be black as a kid, there was, was, I mean, it was difficult to be black. You know, 
we had a law in the UK called the SUS law. Now, the SUS law basically meant the police could come and stop and search anybody at any time, but it was specifically targeted at black people. So at a very young age, I experienced that. Mm. And that is effectively one of the most humiliating experiences you can have. So that set for me a very clear position that I did not want to be judged by the way I look. So the whole movement into fashion and ultimately Savile Row was all about changing perceptions. Hmm. Yeah. How interesting. And when you say humiliating, does that mean, because you can be arrested without an, in not a humiliated, humiliating way, you can be in a humiliating way, you can be pushed to the ground like you see sometimes yeah, on TV. How was it for you? Was it just interrogating you or actually arresting you? No, it was just, it was more in a uh, form of harassment. I mean, I had to find something to arrest you. Hmm. In our case, it was more like just a form of harassment so to kind of make you feel that you are doing something wrong when you're not doing something wrong. Mm. And so that became very much the, the backdrop to that. And it's funny because I had forgotten a lot of this, you know, and um, uh, I was, I think it might even be uh, yesterday, I was having a conversation and I remembered this law and, you know, experiencing it. Because, you know, in life, you know, we find different ways, coping mechanisms to do of past uh, situations. My biggest coping mechanism was to be creatively successful looking the way I do. Hmm. And then as part of the reason why I set up on Savile Row was I knew the institution of Savile Row and what it meant. And I was 18 when I decided to open the store there. And it took me uh, six, seven years to get the store open. And with one sole intention was to change perceptions. I knew if I could have a revolutionary effect on the traditional street of Savaro as a tailor, I knew the cultural implications. I didn't have to say anything, I just had to do. So, yeah. Mm. You know, uh, Oswald, you reminded me of something, because uh, I've had uh, so many guests, mm. and I've had so many, or heard many stories, mm. And I realized when we look at all the people in our lives, even the people that we can look up to as inspirational mm. or role models or encouraging, mm. um, they had um, a crossroad. So Oswald, mm. if I take you and I take your childhood experiences, mm. your grown-up experiences, mm. your genes, everything, and I mix them all up, it creates a fuel, right? So your traumas, whether it's a lowercase t or uppercase mm. t, mm. they're traumas mm. and they make this fuel. Now, there are many people like Oswald with a lot of different fuels, but you only have this fuel that is very tailored to you. It's exactly. your special yeah. one. Yeah. Now, as a fuel, the trauma is like a poison, right? Mm. So either you burn that shit and really let it mm. drive you to, to gain into a, reach a purpose, yeah or you let it poison you. And that's why people are depressed or suicidal or they just can't get out of a victim uh, position. But you obviously, at a very young age, took that trauma of embarrassment, of being labeled just for color. Uh, you want to change perspectives, you said, or perception. Mm. So you take that fuel and you became yeah. What you did. So yeah, you yeah. made a choice. There was that crossroad. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely a choice. But then I also had the, the influence of my dad, which family becomes very important in this equation mm. as well, where you're also at home, it's reinforced this, you know, this uh, position because I was always confident in myself. Mm. And I think that's a very big part of it because if you don't have that, mm. then the system will get you. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. My friend is uh, Somali-American. Mm. We had this conversation 10 days ago. Mm. And he has four kids. Mm. And he said, Anas, uh, if you had, he's asking me, if you had to choose, uh, to choose one thing that you can teach your kids before you die. And I'm like, okay, I was just thinking, you know, you could think mm -hmm. of the same question. And then 
I told him what is because he obviously has an answer mm. for his children. Mm. And he said, self-confidence. Yes. He said, that is something you really need for your kids to have. Absolutely correct. You know? It's crucial, actually. Mm. And I'd say, I mean, I'll go even to more self-confidence and belief. Mm. Belief is a very powerful ingredient for your kids to have. So, and they've got to believe it in, as an entirety. So the, my father gave me a lesson in life very early. You used to have these sayings. You'd say, if you believe in something 99.9%, it's not enough. It's got to be 100%. Hmm. So. And how was your relationship with your parents when you were young? Oh, well, my dad was my mentor. So my mother was always very um, entrepreneurial. So I got the entrepreneurial aspect from her mm. and the sort of self-confidence from my father. Yeah. Okay. So quite balanced, very different nice attributes. Combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And happiest memory you could remember from your childhood? Happiest memory? Something that pops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think now. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I remember going to the cinema with my father because we never go, we didn't go to cinema much. Mm with my father and my brother, and we saw this movie, Escape from Alcatraz, with Cleet okay. Eastwood in it. Yeah. It was a really good film, actually. Mm. So yeah, that was a fun moment, because we, we kind of went into town, we needed, needed to live in North London, mm. and kind of going into the West End was a big deal back then, because, I mean, God, this is a long time ago, it was like 70s, and the West End wasn't like it is today, right? So uh, no, so that, I remember it being, oh wow, we're going for adventure in town. Hmm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting when you, someone asks a question like that, you try to figure out what, there's so many memories, right? Hmm. Yeah. But I think actually the most prolific moment, I'd say with my father was when I did my uh, fashion show and he came out the end with me at the, at, I did at the Odin Leicester Square. Hmm. And I think that show when he came out the end with me was, a powerful moment, yeah. It does sound beautiful. Yeah, it was, because it was his uh, 80th birthday. Nice. It was, and I'd thrown him a huge party, and I said, look, I've got something I wanted to show, because mm. my father's, as much as he respected what I achieved as a designer, he didn't really come to any of my shows. So it was the first one. My mother was always there. So this is the first one he actually experienced. But he had no idea that I'd set up for him to be at the end. And so at the end of the show, there was a, I put him near an exit and I came. I said, look, come, come. He said, but you're supposed to be up there. No, 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 I got a surprise. Came, he said, oh, the sun of mine is such a headache. So I'm taking up these stairs. And before he knew it, we we're on the stage. Mm. And because the way I set it up, there was a big screen behind. The camera came in close on his face. So the audience could see his emotion. So basically, all that love of, of the show itself went to him. So it was a great gift. It is. Yeah, a great gift, yeah, yeah. So I'm happy about that. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, you know, these, Oswald, these are the moments, I think. You know, you know, God knows if it means so much to you, imagine how much it means to him. Yeah. How beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he told me at the time, if he, after the show, he says, if I go now, I'm good. Wow. So that's the ultimate gift, right? Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. And if you think about the most difficult period in your childhood, what is it? Oof, there's been so many difficult periods. I think, I mean, I, I can't think of one specific moment or I remember as a kid, there was a period when my parents got divorced. I moved onto the street hmm. and we had teddy boys on one end and skinheads uh, skin living on the other corner. So every day going to school was a headache hmm. and coming back. So I had to learn how to not show um, too much fear hmm. and also not to be overconfident. So I had to balance these two positions so they would leave me alone. And so I've taken that same skill set into my work, the balancing act between the two positions. So um, yeah, so that's, that was the big 
change because you got to learn those skills. Hmm. So yeah. How interesting, man, your story so far. Entrepreneurial mother, mentor of a father. Hmm. Some trauma, which we all do have in our childhood, the balance of dealing with different kinds of people. Move yeah. with confidence, but with grace. You got it. You know, it's so interesting. And, yeah. you, and you used all of that. Yeah. That formula, you used it in your life. Absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. And, and the thing is, is you only, again, learn, recognize these things as you get older and wiser. Correct. Because initially, you just, it's you. So you're not looking to reason why you're like that. Mm. It's only when you get to a certain point in your life, you look back, you go, actually, this is why I'm like this, for this and this reason, you mm. see. Yeah. And if I now forward a bit, computer science to fashion, how? Mm. Yeah, so, uh, so I was studying computer science, and this is, again, early 80s, so you know, it's not what it was today, but I was convinced it was going to be the future. Which it and, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so probably who knows if I stayed in it because, you know, I, was doing, I learned this program called BASIC, mm. which was like 0011. Yeah. I mean, like the beginning of everything, right? Mm. So I learned how to do that. And then I met this girl at college who was a designer, painter, artist. And she, as always, w girls distract all men from everything. And so, um, so I met her and she, was, she basically said, look, you know, I'm doing a fashion show. I'm, creating this collection, you know, help me, help me create it. And I was like, okay, you know, but I don't know what I'm doing. She said, no, 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 I can show you. And she did. And I had this kind of natural ability with it. And then people at the end of the show, people wanted to buy what I created. Hmm. And so at that point in my life, I was thinking, and my, that was the entrepreneurial side of my mom speaking, which was, if I can make money from this, I should. Mm. So I just do it. And my father always said to me, whatever comes easy to you in life, stick with it. It's almost like you're calling, right? There mm. is a point when it gets difficult to challenge if you really want to do it or not, mm. right? And that's always the big moment, right? Mm. Is the challenge. But initially, it flows very easily to let you know you're on the right track. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, that seems like a very interesting man. Um, you wrote or you said in an interview mm. that you uh, don't you design with purpose that it's not only about creating beautiful clothing mm. Mm. what is the purpose yeah the purpose is all stems back from the beginning right mm. so the purpose is um, I remember going to a store must have been 18 so I've now sold clothes and got a bit of reputation and Friend, uh, a friend of mine said, you know, you should go to some stores, maybe they'll buy your collection. So I went to a, a store on, on South Horn Street called Browns, which was a very famous store at mm. the time, probably the most famous store in Britain for designer clothing. So I go in there and I ask to see the buyer and I show him sketches. And he looks at me and he can't believe my confidence. And of course, you know, based on the background, I had a lot of confidence. And also I hadn't understood what I was, <laughs> I was also naive in my confidence because, you know, mm. sketches. But either way, he respected my, my confidence. And he said to me, I tell you what, I'll buy your collection if you can tell me what the concept is. So I think, what, what's he talking about concept? You like, you buy. So no, you go, you think about it. So obviously I just wanted to make the money and, and make, sell the collection. And so uh, I went home and I thought about it. I was thinking, what this guy talking about? Anyway, eventually it clicks. Hmm. So I, I, I go back and he wanted to know the why. Hmm. So I don't create anything about why. So that's the purpose question. What That's did you how answer? I answer that. Hmm? What did you answer him? You I answered remember? that I wanted to take traditional tailoring and make it modern. That mm. was my, and that actually evolved into this thing through the media, which was classics with a twist. Mm. And so uh, and that became the language of my creations in the 80s and then the, also the early 80s and early 90s mm. became my kind of 
how I built my name, actually. From that Do, does our why evolve? Of course. Hmm. As, you know, as, as we grow, we're changing. So it's evolving constantly. Hmm. So the why is not a fixed position. It's an evolving position. Hence, yeah. if you're basing it on your why, you're forever changing, you're forever learning. So mm. it's not stationary, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, you, you know, Oswald, I don't know much about you, but I'm getting to know. Mm. But from the little I've seen, you're a bigger than life personality, mm. extroverted, mm. Uh, very social. Are you all of this behind the scenes? Very social? No, I love, I mean, I like people. Mm. Uh, no, but you know, I also like my space, mm. you know, and it's interesting, I've got two kids who are now grown up and I, you know, my, my daughter's very much like me, so she likes to social, social travel, meet people. My son is a lot more reserved. Mm. So uh, yeah, I think I'm, you know, we all have the moment where we want to have time for ourselves. And there's times to be public, but I enjoy people's company. I enjoy creative input. Hmm. So I like to, you know, see things that inspire me. But my, how I get inspired is can be inspired by a conversation, even of a five-year-old. You know, hmm. I learned that it's a thing you learn which, uh, when you have kids, how your kids can teach you things. Hmm. You know, I remember once I was having not an argument with my son's mum. And, and I went to him and he looked at me and he says, that's not how you handle mom. I said, what do you mean? He says, no, that's not how you do it. It's, so he explained to me how he gets mom to do things he wants. Interesting. And he gave me advice, said, look, you've got to do it like this. You've got to listen and then you answer like this. I'm like, and you're five? <laughs> and I went back out, tried it. It didn't work. I came back to him and said, no, 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 you didn't do it right. I told you, you need to do it like this. Mm. So from that point, I learned that you can get advice everywhere, right? So your kids, anyone can give you advice or direction. You just have to be open to it and be able to see it when it comes. You reminded me of a quote that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Bingo. And then everybody can be a teacher. Yeah, a security absolutely. guard, your child. Absolutely, absolutely. So hence, that's why I love people. So I've learned to listen to that. Hmm. Yeah. And for somebody who's in the creative zone, and this is where I want to understand more the creative intellect. Mm. So somebody like you, social, good with people, creative, do you get depressed? Because you don't seem like you could ever get depressed on the out front. Mm. But do you? Does somebody I mean, depression, like you? Depression is a, that's a strong, it is. strong word. Because, you know, I've seen, known people who get depressed. So for me, no, I, I don't get depressed. If you ask me if I get insecure, of course. Mm. Do I think, you know, I wish things would be better? Uh, of course. If you're saying, do I have problems? Of course I have problems. <laughs> I mean, of course. But no, no, in terms of depression in the context that I understand it, no. And it's, I think it's also, um, you know, I, I've experienced people who've had depression and it's, 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 a, it's, it's a particular illness. Correct. You know, so um, I, wouldn't, I, don't, I would not speak of that lightly, you know? Yeah, I appreciate mm. also this. And I appreciate the people that don't use the word depression or love. Even love, I think, is sometimes cheapened. It's used mm. so lightly yeah. at, at the end of every phone call. Like love you bye. Yeah. I think you cheap you yeah, cheapen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even depression or trauma, like you really have to respect these words. Yes. Um, I read something that it's funny. was funny. I tell you something that's interesting. I don't you do you know who Chris Eubank is? Familiar name, yeah, but so I Chris, need to see a picture. Chris Eubank used to be the heavyweight middleweight champion of the world. Okay. Boxing. Yes. And um, I was I was walking back from work maybe a week, ten days ago. And I hadn't seen him before, and he was beautiful, uh, two-door Rolls Royce pulls up. And I see him, and I say, hey, Chris, how you doing? Anyway, I get in the car, and we're having a chat. And I said something. He said, Oswald, the most important thing is the words that come from your mouth. You've got to be very careful what you say and how you use your words. So 
And when he said that to me, it made me really think. Because sometimes you can say things in jest, but light humor. But you were saying the importance of words, and it's something that my father always needs to tell me, actually. So it resonated. So this is the thing when I say to you, when you talk about depression or anything like this, you can't, because maybe you're not experiencing it in the same way, there has to respect for the people who are, are suffering from it. And, and, and it is severe, you know. You know, Oswald, I read um, a crazy stat. Mm. When I saw it, I'm like, I need to research this because mm. I don't like just to throw stats that mm. God knows what the mm. source is. So I kept researching mm. and I found different studies on this and the, it's a theory. So let's call it plus and minus mm. the numbers. Reasons of happiness, 50% mm. genetics, 40% big events in your life, 10% mm. choices. Wow. How, how scary is that? So you're saying happiness is genetic? 50% according to this study. So let's That's, say 45, 55. Wow. But a chunk, the point is a chunk of it you're born with, whether you have stable hormones, stable genes, or you have troubled. That's why some people are very moody. Their hormones are up and down. They can be bipolar, they can be yeah, moody, yeah, yeah, yeah. extremely but that, that, moody. To some extent, there's, you know? there's a logic to that. Mm. And that, that makes sense. And then that, 40 is your big event. So big traumas, beating, bullying, uh, happy moments, great moments, all of this. And then 10% mm. is choices. Interesting. I'm like, how scary. Well, I think the 10% probably is probably the most powerful of the 90%. Hmm. Because the 10% is a decision to be happy. I would say that's, uh, I think that's a big one, actually. Because hmm. I think if you, you set it in yourself, I think, you know, it's a choice. But then you have others who find it difficult to, to do that. Correct. But I personally, from my perspective, I'd say you choosing. And that's harder to, 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 to do, yeah. but choosing it is basically, you know what makes you happy. Mm. And so continue to do more of that and surround you with people, yourself with people who amplify that for you. What is confidence to you? Uh, confidence is actually the more you know yourself. Mm. That's, the, that's the real confidence, yeah. Man, I said something so similar recently, I said, the more you're okay with you, the more confident you'll be. Yep. The more you're not okay with you, you think you should be like this or that, or then you're insecure, you're not. And I've always you know, believed, Oswald, and I don't know if you agree, that confidence is a muscle that you need to train. Bingo. You so, know, as tailor, as yeah. tailoring, I'm sure the first time you, you yeah. had the scissors, you're not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're like, bring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I had to do a tech talk about confidence. Hmm. And I ended my talk by getting my son to come on stage. And he was 13 at the time and he was singing at the front. And he didn't ha know that I was going to do that to him. Mm. But kind of the point I wanted to make was what confidence is about. So I called him on the stage and there's, you know, there's 1,500 people there. There's quite a lot of people. And um, I, so I called him, he gets up on the stage and uh, and we turned to the audience and I sort of said, well, son, um, I you know what we're talking about, it's confidence. And I want you to say what confidence means for you. So he gets the mic and he's like, Oof, I mean, that's a lot, dad. And I'm like, no, actually, I was going to stand next to you. But now I've decided no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm going to let you. So you're going to say what you think and we're going to close it. And when you finish, you can walk off. So I walked off and left him on the stage. So he's there with the mic and he says, confidence means to me believing in myself. And then, you know, and, you know, people clap for him and he walked off. Now, the reason why I did that is confidence is also putting yourself in the position to just to learn. So it's yeah. about exercising the muscle. Mm. What it did for my son was make him realize it looks scary, but now I've done it. How do I feel about that? Mm. So that's basically it. it's exercising the muscle. It's not the end of the world, and that's what you taught him. Because we, it's our scenarios that mm. we build about an experience. Bungee jumping, like, <gasps> what will happen if mm. I fall? And you build all of these drama yeah. based on movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And when you go, like, oh, it's not that, yeah, yeah, not exactly. that bad. Yeah, exactly, 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 mm. exactly. 
if I go on to the, a big chunk of our lives, you've been married twice. Twice, absolutely. What did you learn about Oswald after each marriage? Hmm, interesting. Well, look, the thing about, I, I mean, this is more about, uh, I think, a wider point is relationships and me. You know, and I think each relationship, I learned a lot from it. And I think my first marriage, I was a young man discovering, you know, uh, my direction. And so there's, and I didn't have kids at that time, so it was, I would say I was probably more selfish in the first relationship. I think in the second relationship, I was more balanced, definitely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had kids and for the first time, and that's, you know, as you know, that's an experience. So I think each time you're, you're, each experience is a learning. And if there was one thing I've learned throughout those experiences, I'd say is first you the ability to not overreact to everything that doesn't work in the way that you, you think it should. Mm. So there's a certain level of just acceptance, mm. accepting that not everything is going to be as you perceive it to be. And so I think that's a big, it's the expectation of the dynamic within a relationship is usually the biggest challenge. And what does love mean to you? Hmm. I think that's an evolving position, no? I don't think that stays. That's like the first thing in my mind with the cosmos. <laughs> Find that shiny star. Oh, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> uh, no, look, I think love is, again, is acceptance. Mm. That you're not going to change someone to be something else. You know, a really good friend of mine said, you've got a love, was it love? Uh, you would say love as seen. So mm. whatever you've, you've um, seen, whatever the things you don't like, you've got to love those things. So yeah. I think it really is, for me, love is accepting completely to the core who the person mm. is. I had a guest uh, who seems like in a very good uh, marriage, and she said, you have to love their flaws before their nice parts. I you think... Know? And she's like, if you're okay with their flaws, then everything else is easy, you know? I think that's exactly right, actually. Yeah. I mean, fl- the flaws, whatever the flaws are, because we all have them, so if you're not really to accept your partner's flaws, then you're not really accepting <laughs> your own. Mm. You know, so yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple in that way. Okay, hypothetical question. If Oswald can see a characteristic above mm. people's heads, and you can see how much of that they have, mm. like a gauge, what characteristic would be important for you to see on people's heads? One. Characteristic that yeah. I see in people. For example, it can be wealth, it can be honesty, it can be. No, I'd see, I see the good in people to start off with. So that would be the position. How good they are. Yeah, this, I would always, I'm always attracted to the good in people. So mm. it could be a very small percentage. <laughs> That's my start position. Mm. I don't go and say, oh, this person's not good. Mm. You have to prove to me you're not good. But uh, I come from the start position that, you know, my position is always a positive. So you you wouldn't use this uh, superpower where you can see that if they're like a gauge above their head, whether they're good or bad. I mean, you're saying if I could see a... a, Like a superpower. So if I had a superpower and and I could see... Oh, I'm only allowed one superpower. One characteristic. No. So let's say you're walking in a mall and you choose sense of humor. So you'd know who has a big sense of humor, a good one or a bad one, because you have the superpower. But you have to choose one thing. What's the most important for you to see? I say goodness. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. Um, If you were not Oswald, Uh and you're walking and you saw Oswald walk past, Mm. what would you think of him? Interesting. I'd say he's got a good vibe. Good vibe. Good vibe. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to play a lot of <laughs> hypothetical questions. Yeah, if good I, vibe. Good vibe. If I give you a letter mm. with your date of death, would you open it or not? I'm not sure I believe it. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that one, 
no one can hand you that other than the man upstairs, God. Mm. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be. I never got that I, response. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that like. I'd be like, uh, you think so? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you really think that's the date? Mm. Okay, sure. Okay, now um, I'm going to ask you a cool question. It's um, Japanese called cube test. Oh, You'll wow. enjoy this because you're creative. Cube test. Oh, it's God, a cube test. Go. Test. Yeah, it's a nice one. You're going to enjoy it. So, but I need your imagination. Wow, this is going to be very interesting. Alex, right. This is the analysis. Um, so I need your creativity and mm. imagination and mm. really try as much as uh, possible to be vivid and easy and mm. zen. Mm. Close your eyes. Okay. Think of, you're in Dubai, so it shouldn't mm. be hard. Think of a very, very, you can do it with your eyes, whatever no. works your imagination. Okay. Yeah? All right, I'll try. Uh, a very calm, quiet desert. Mm-hmm. Okay, nothing is in this desert. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, Oswald, you see a cube. A cube? A cube. A cube? Yes. Okay. Describe to me the cube. I see a, a, a black square cube. How big is it? Bigger than you, smaller? Not, I can't understand the sizing because it's, I'm too far away from it to actually establish the size. Mm-hmm. You th- when you're looking at it now from far, does it seem huge like a building or a small cube like a Rubik's cube? How actually, big? Actually, it's um, it's actually not sitting on the desert. It's not, it seems to be slightly hovering, Float- floating, floating. Interesting. Exactly. Is it moving or just uh, just above ground? Actually, little movement. Okay, interesting. Now, after the cube, you see a ladder appear. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Mm, the ladder's on the right-hand side. Okay. Is it taller than the cube, on the cube, leaning on it? It's separate? connecting to the cube, and it's, interesting enough, not quite on the, the sand, but it could be on the sand. Okay, and leaning onto the cube that's floating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, above six steps or less, or 12? Probably above? more like 12, 10, 12 steps. Okay, new or old? Can't determine that. Uh, what is it made of? Uh, it's not wood. It's like um, it's almost like the same material as the cube, but I can't really tell you what that is. Is the cube transparent or not? No, it's not. It's black. Okay. Um, after the ladder, Oswald, mm-hmm. you see a horse. <laughs> Describe. Black horse. Mm, standing. Actually, uh, uh, kind of cantering around. Around like what? Near the ladder. Near the ladder. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And uh, confident, playful. Enjoying. Having fun. Yeah. Okay, after the... And ho- curious. And curious. After the horse, you see flowers appear. Where? At the base of the ladder. At the base of the ladder, mm. a lot of flowers or a few flowers? A few, a few flowers. Okay. Uh, and good shape, health, or Again, not, not really thinking of it in that context, but yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. they're healthy. The last thing you see is a storm. Describe. Clouds. Hmm. Quite you know, hard, like it's about to rain, hmm. but hasn't rained yet. Okay, and is it coming towards anything, affecting anything from what you saw? The focus is just on the clouds, not, it's not interfering with the, the cube, the ladder, the flowers and the horse. Perfect. All right, you can open your eyes. Okay, mm. analysis time. Okay. So this is the test called right. Cocology. It's a Japanese uh, psychologist or psychotherapist, mm. Mm. one of them. Um, yeah, Japanese psychologist, Tadahiko Nagao. Okay. So, Mr. Oswald. Okay, cube. Mm. Cube is the sense of self or mm. ego. So, a bigger, bigger cube depicts a more confident, bold person and willing to be seen. A smaller cube introduces the possibilities of you rather being the more shy, introverted, modest type who would much rather blend in than stand out. I'm pretty sure we know where you stand between <laughs> these two, so mm. we'll go there. 
the interesting thing, which very few people answer, floating cube connects to the more artistic type of person, often your dreamers and creators, as well as the spiritually elevated. Very few people answer it floating, mm. by the way. Solid cube, meaning not transparent, mm. tells you that you know who you are and you're not easy to manipulate and carry self-assurance. Wow. So this, you know why it's such an interesting question? Because if I asked you, are you confident, you can give me a very like, yeah, exactly. whatever answer, right? Yeah, yeah. If I give you a question, you don't know what's the meaning, yeah, 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 yeah. your subconscious is yeah, telling you. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Ladder mm. is family and friends. Touching the cube would mean that you, you are, are not completely dependent on your friends and family, but you do rely on them for support and guidance at times. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Equal height or shorter, you see your family, friends as much as such equal, or if it's a bit shorter, would mean that you regard yourself as a leader or alpha type. Okay. Old or brand new, yours sounded more brand new when you said it's black. Mm. So the friendships you have in your current space are probably either new or you're renewing older mm. friendships. If it's less than 12 steps, which it is, you said 10 to 12, refers to you having a few friends, but you also entertain acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> okay, horse, mm. ideal partner. Mm. So this is if you ever get married again. Mm. Interesting. Um, so the horse uh, you said is, uh, is uh, close to the ladder. So yeah. your, your ideal partner should be close to your friends and family. Yeah, agreed. Meaning they should get along, I guess. Yes, exactly. Um, and you said, a glamorous person, yeah, you would be the type of person that values the outward appearance and might need someone that you would also like others to approve of. Well, you're a designer, so I guess you enjoy beauty. So. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Okay. Flowers, mm. this is your children. Ah, interesting. Mm. So the amount of flowers signifies how many children you like to have around you. Mm. It can also be not your children, it can yeah, be. Yeah. Uh, a vibrant blossoming gardener, garden uh, reflects on the health and prosperity of your children as well as your relationship with them. And then you said, uh, funnily, you said that the flowers were close uh, the, the, the ladder, to the ladder. At the base of the ladder. Yeah. So that's where I think anything that it's, no, it's close to, it shows you wish for a close relationship between the children, your friends and your family yeah. and all of that. Ah, the storm. Mm. The fears and stresses in your life. So if the storm is vaguely inside or on the horizon, which is kind of what you said, um, you are at more peaceful inner place. However, the closer the storm, the closer the immediate threat. It can be uh, money issues, it can mm. be stress, family, whatever. Yeah, but for me, the, the clouds are not. Yeah, so you're the first one. I, dis you see I, dis it. I see it, but I disassociate yeah. with the cube and the ladder. And or exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I asked you, because if it does engage, you know what is it affecting. Mm. If it's not engaging, you're a self-aware person. You see it, you're like, mm. okay, yeah, you're there, mm. but I know how to deal with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So. so it's more about clouds. Yeah. Yes. Cool, huh? Potential rain. Very interesting, huh? Yeah. Have you all tried this? Yeah? Yeah. Have you all done this? All the viewers, I think they do it while I ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very good. I think that's probably one of the most interesting uh, interviews I've done because that's, because you, actually I do something similar actually. Hmm. But I do it with fabric. Explain. So, so it's, it's a technique that I developed years, you know, when you, we, as a designer, there's these big shows that we go to and it's quite literally millions of fabrics to choose from. Mm. So one of, the, one of the things, the big challenges when you go to these big shows is making a decision. Because mm. you've got so much choice. So when you're an experienced designer, you get to learn to trust what you see. So I can look at fabric, thousand of fabric in a very short space of time, because I've trained my eye to do that. So what I do is when I do made-to-measure consultation, I have a lot of fabric that I take you through. Sometimes I show you as much as 200 fabrics, but I show them in 10 minutes. Mm. And then you make a series of decisions based on the way I lay the fabrics out. And after that, I know what your taste is. I basically know you. How interesting. So it's, it's not too dissimilar to this exercise, because you know, obviously over time, and I've been doing it for a long time, 
I've developed a series of skills, so my intuition and instinct around it is very particular. Mm. And then also for the person who's doing the test, and I don't put it as a test, I just say it's part of the process. I'm doing something also subconsciously with them where I'm training your eye to trust what you see. Mm. And that's basically the first skill set of a designer is trusting what you see. So. Nice. Um, what are you afraid of? Oof. <laughs> I think we're all afraid of many things. I mean, my God, I don't know. I mean, one of the things is I, um, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, when you have kids, they're your priority. So you, all you want is the best for your children. So my, my number one thing is to protect my kids, you know. I mean, you know, you say I've got a daughter and a son, so instincts as a father is protect the daughter, but it's, I want to protect both. And my son had an accident um, in Ghana. Mm. And, you know, when I got the call from his mother, my first instinct was, I need to get a plane and get out there. But then I had to calm down and go, okay, hang on a second. Let's see what we can do now. Mm. Called a few people. So when you're talking about fear, we always relate to my children. And... Oswald, what makes you feel valuable? Mm, valuable, interesting. Mm. I mean, you know, I've worked hard to be respected for what I do, so respect is a big thing for me. Mm. But I'm not sure I get my value from it, but yeah, I suppose. It could be a relationship, respect, and, and yeah, respect is a big thing for me. Mm. What makes your heart smile? Well, I mean, kids again. It goes, always goes back to the kids. Mm. You know, just seeing your kids grow, you know, and then discover who they are. That's, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate. You know, you know what's interesting, and, I, and I'm assuming, it's a hunch, that both of us are obsessed about our skill set. Mm. You know, I'm obsessed about what I'm good at, yeah. what I enjoy, yeah. and I think you're the same. Yeah. The moment kids come in our life, I don't think me and you realize un until certain moments how they supersede kind of everything. Oh, everything. I would have never imagined this. I would have been like, I'm selfish, I just want to yeah, do my thing, yeah, yeah. I want you, to but achieve. You but you don't know it until you have kids, that's the point. Yeah. So when you have kids, you realize instinctively if you had to put your hand in a burning fire, you'd do it for your kids mm -hmm. without consideration. Yeah. The, there's an incredible connection that you have with your babies, you know, and, you know, and the thing is, I remember saying to my mother, um, uh, at what point do you stop worrying about your kids? Because you worry about that they're gonna bump their head, the thing, and my mother looked at me and says, I'm still worrying about you now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end. No. And I, I said, no, come on. It's got to, because I was quite, um, my kids were small at this point. And you know, you're just thinking, what point can I just go breathe? <laughs> you'll never Good stop. Luck. <laughs> it's will never stop, you know? So, uh, so there you have it. There is a, a nice quote. I don't know the words, but it says like, your children are like your heart walking outside your body. Yeah. Wow. Powerful. Interesting, right. huh? Yeah, and yeah. you know what you said about the fire? Mm. Uh, here, mm. it's a huge scar here, mm. right? Mm. This is for me li a literal experience of what you just said. We were biking in Switzerland mm. with the kids, first day on our trip. I had all the schedule for them in nature. Yeah. And Khalid is, was six at the mm. time. So I could see him go downhill and mm. it was wobbly and mm. he had a bigger bike. So yeah. I could see his hands go... And, he, and I'm like, shit, he's gonna fall. So I'm like, Baba, slow down, don't break, don't break suddenly, because mm. I knew he's... Yeah, yeah. And I could see he's losing, like he's yeah. going, and there's a cliff, and I'm like, damn. So I start to speed, and I'm speeding, and he falls. So now he falls in front of me, not out, <gasps> without thinking, Oswald, full break. Like full, I, I don't remember making this decision. Yeah, yeah. Full break, I flip. Of course fly over, because I didn't want to hit him, because I would have hit course, him. Of course, of course. 
And I, I didn't realize, so I fall in front of him, thank God. I look at him and he's crying and he's like, oh. I'm like, you okay? You know, hey baby, you okay? And he goes, Baba, your leg. <laughs> and I look at my leg and it's like, poop. And because it's slashed on something. But I was in such an adrenaline yeah, for yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. So this was, was proof of really, what yeah, we yeah, go through. Absolutely. You wouldn't think. You, you wouldn't think even twice. think. No, you just do it. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a quite incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite incredible thing. This connection, huh? Mm, very. It's yeah, something profound. bigger, bigger yeah. than. Especially, why do I find it special? Maybe you'll understand me. Because mm. we're so passionate and obsessed about our skill that when something bigger comes, it slaps you in the head and you're like, wow, mm. I didn't realize I could yeah. be so instinctively protective. It doesn't mean I'm not ob still obsessed with my work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's, but it's I, a different thing. Yeah, you know? very. It's a different, uh, you can be passionate about your creative. And you know, my kids will tell you, your dad's always been working and passionate about his work. Mm. But if you ask them, do they feel secure in my love for them? For sure, they'll say that. And I think that's the key. Hmm. You know, they've got, they got to feel that security there. It's absolute, It's a fundamental piece yeah. to the, the conversation around, you know, uh, getting to know who you are and all those things, you know, so. Uh, what, is, um, what is something when you remember your heart aches? Oof. I mean, obviously losing my father was two years. So, um, I mean, that was a mixture of you know, sadness, because I probably would have liked to have been there when he actually passed, but I came a few hours later. Mm. But, uh, so there's a little sadness with that. But also there's a huge amount of joy because he was 90, <laughs> he had his innings, you know, and I couldn't really ask for much more than what I got, you know, so. So it's, it's there's sadness and there's also joy. What's his name? Kwesi. Kwesi. Yeah. Nice name. Yeah. It's a Ghanaian name, very, again, quite common in Ghana. But mm, we, you know, we have these names that represent days mm. in our culture. So, yeah. So, if you had to say Kwesi in one word, not sorry, if you had to summarize Kwesi in one word, which word would you choose? Or oh, mental. Mental. Yeah. Mm. Your mom's name? Mary. Mary. Yeah. Mary in one word. Uh, I'd say, hmm. I mean, it's a few words that come up. So you give me one. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're not, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost unfair. Higher. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, consistent, reliable, um, uh, caring. Um, uh, hard working. Which yeah. one supersedes? She sounds like a backbone. Yeah, she's very was very much uh, an anchor. So anchor so is one, a good word. Yeah, you know. So she creates. She created a lot of stability. Nice. Yeah, stability is. I'd say would be a key key word for her. Yeah. And Emilia. Yeah. In one word. Wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, my daughter has a lot of light. Light, nice. Light, yeah. That's, you're a person yeah. who really, I think, connects with energy. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, she's got a lot of light, my daughter. And Oscar in one word. No, he's all spirit. Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you could, if, which I hope your kids are going to watch this. Mm. Uh, interview, whether they watch it now on, or when you're gone and I'm gone yeah, and they, yeah, 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 they yeah, just yeah, come yeah. back to it. Yeah, yeah. What is something that you want them to hear? To hear? Yeah, that they can come back to. I mean, the it. most important thing is to know yourself and trust yourself. Hmm. I mean, that's all I want for both of them. Okay. Now, everything else will come from that. Hmm. And you want to remind them of this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the only reminding point. <laughs> Life will take you on so many journeys to get you away from that point. Mm. So that's it. <laughs> that's everything. Um, if you could, you said your dad has passed for two mm. years. Two years, yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah. If you could send him an email, what would you write? I'd say 
uh, I'd say to him, all's good. I'm working on that thing that we last discussed. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm on course for that. So don't worry about that. But I already know that you already know where I'm at because you're up there watching me all the time. So this email is kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. So you had the conversation you said before. Yeah, yeah. before you passed, there was a couple of things we discussed mm -hmm. and he said, you know, you need to take care of those. I said, listen, when you go to the other side, you need to go and take care of those for me. How so, interesting. So it was very interesting. So we had this conversation around death for quite a while actually, because my dad used to laugh at it. We used to, have, we used to crack jokes about it. Mm. Yeah. Personal things that he wanted you to work on or something you can share? Oh, this is, I mean, it's, this is a father-son conversation, but the, the key point is we had a conversation that was, uh, that he, I, we discussed that needed to get done. Mm. And I'm, <laughs> I'm telling him I'm dealing with it. Nice. <laughs> hmm. uh, um, hypothetical. Mm. If you could take Oswald's heart, I can take it and place mm. it in front of you. Mm. After all that's, after so far all that you've done and achieved happy mm -hmm. sad all of everything your experience mm. if i can take your heart and place it in front of you what would your heart tell oswald what would it tell you wow um, i don't know i mean maybe i um the heart would say i, I mean i think i've learned a lot about it <laughs> so the heart probably go and say uh i think we understand each other now Interesting. Yeah. I like that answer. Last two. Um, if you could choose your last words before you die, what are the words you'd want to say? Choose my last words. Mm. But are they for me or for everyone else? I so, mean, for me, my last words were only for my kids and my family, right? Yeah. So. I think, you know, obviously I would probably want to this probably more about where they're at than me. So mm. I'll be back to what I said before, you know, the, the trusting yourself, know yourself. Yes. And live your life to the full would be, you know, what I would say. Nice. Because I'm on my way out. This is one point about talking about, oh, me. Yeah. Oh, I didn't do, you know. No, you answered it, I think, you know, the right way. It's, yeah, it's absolutely got to be what you leave behind, I would imagine. Hmm. is the point but more importantly is living your life for the full is 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 key hmm. and oswald in one word to me hmm. oswald i'm not, not answered that already i'm pretty sure i've answered that not, there's been not a lot you. not you i have answered that one i'm sure <laughs> i won't forget no, no, i mean look for me i think it's uh if you there's two because you see i live in these two parts one is also botang the brand and then there's also Botang. There are two different yeah. components. But what I would say, for me on a personal level, mm. uh, my, uh, actually it's both, actually. I've just realized. This is, so with my work and me as a person, I'd love to uh, be clear that I inspire. The whole purpose for me and my drive is to inspire people. Mm. Thank you. All right. Good Very good. Very good. I enjoyed this one. Very good, man. Yeah. Thank you wow. for being so candid. Yeah, that's the, that's the life, huh? That's, by the way, this again, it's back to the experience of life. At the end of the day, if you're not being your truth, yeah. it doesn't resonate. And how sad that, that so many people live a life that is so untrue to who they are. But that's understandable because we live in a world where there's so much expectation on what you're supposed to be. Mm. And so what happens is, you know, especially where social media is structured now, it's taking you away from the fantasy of you as opposed to the real you. And the key value in the future, I'd say, is the authentic, mm. what's true. Because everything else is just becoming noise. So for me, you know, like I said, and it's also a learning. You arrive at a point where, at least where I am at this point in my life, where you just, it's the best place to be is to 
call it what it is, you know. Mm. I mean, of course, sometimes we worry about the things, but ultimately, if you're in your truth with most of it, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're okay. Mm. okay.